Good morning, friends. Um, I'm Pastor Jeff, if you don't know who I am, uh, if you're here for the first time or watching online, and I'm not able to be at church today, as most of you probably know. I did test positive for COVID this week, so I'm still home playing it safe and trying to get better. For those of you that inquired how I'm doing, I don't feel great, to be perfectly honest, but I'm doing okay. So thank you for your prayers, and I hope to be back with you soon. As I thought about what to share this morning, I uh, decided I didn't want to do the next step in our pivot um, message series because I really want to be there for that. I want that to be a live sermon. And so I decided to play something that I came across uh, a little while ago from a man by the name of Tim Doremus. He's one of the pastors in the Life Church Network. And he has some words to share that I feel like almost would be a preparatory sermon for the rest of our Pivot series. He's going to talk about how we are all gifted. And if we're going to grow in faith, serve people together, and find our direction in that, then we're going to all need to find our gifts. We're going to need to use our gifts and allow those gifts to bring glory and honor to our Savior. So I hope that you'll enjoy this message, but more importantly, I hope that you can learn from it. So sit back, relax. Tim is very entertaining, but he's also very inspiring. I hope that you'll enjoy this and take it to heart. Have a great week. I'll see you next week. So we're in this really fun season where we're coming out of Christmas and we're getting ready to step into New Year. And here's what I know. Coming out of Christmas, a few of you probably opened Christmas presents this past week. And I hope here's what didn't happen, but experience tells me may have happened. There may have been a present that you opened up and what you said out loud was this. Oh, you shouldn't have. Because what you thought is like, no, seriously, you shouldn't have. <laughs> it was the vacuum cleaner you didn't ask for. It was the tie you're never going to wear. It was the socks that wouldn't even fit if you tried to put them on. And at that point in life, you had to make a decision of what group of people you wanted to be in. You're either going to become an exchanger or a reluctant holder honor. How many of you, I'm asking for a little bit of participation, how many of you, when you get a present that's a little bit underwhelming, you just say, you know what, I know that person would want me to be happy, so I'm going to take it back, exchange it for something that would make me happy. Yep. They want you to be happy. It's okay. How many of you go, you know what, I even wish I could be in that group. I just can't do it, though, because I care about that person's feelings, so it goes in the closet in case they ever come to visit. I pull it out. Yeah, you love people. It's okay. You can say, hey, that's me. Yeah, you love people. God wants us to love people. But you know when you don't get to make that choice? When you're a kid. Because when you're a kid, you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. Every single year, starting at about eight years old, I experienced that because I knew I was getting one present after the first year that I was not excited about. It came from my grandmother. It was in a box about this long, this wide, this thick. When you would shake it, there was nothing exciting going on in the box. No clanking, no clunking, just the gentle whooshing of clothes. Because every single year, I got a sweater from my grandmother. My friends were getting remote control cars, video games. I got a sweater. I actually brought a photo of me in one of those sweaters along with me. Yep. Turtleneck and all. Some of you are saying, bro, the sweater's not the only problem in that photo. But it does answer a few questions you may have had about me before. Like, you ever thought about shaving the beard? The photo answers that question. Hey, why don't you smile more when you preach? The photo answers that question. The one question it does not answer is this. Those who meet my wife often ask me this question, like, man, she is super smart. She's wicked funny. Not only how did you get her to marry you, how did you ever get her to go out with you in the first place? I have a photo of my wife that hangs in my office that I brought with me today. This is when I met her. She was 18. As a point of clarity, the guy in the sweater did not meet the girl in the photo. That would be illegal, but awesome if that was what happened. 
We were both 18 when we met and when we started dating. Let's go back to the sweater photo. All I can say is, I don't know, God is good. God is good, and that is what answers the question of why did she marry me? But we've all been in that situation where we open the box and we think what? We think, I wish I could change what was in here. I wish I got something that was different. I wish I got what she has or what he received. But my question for you today is this. Not only have you ever felt that way when you open up a Christmas present, but do you ever find yourself looking in the mirror saying the same thing? I wish I could change what was on the inside. I wish I was a more patient parent. I wish I was more successful at work. I wish I knew more about God's word. Maybe I wish I was more like him or I was more like her. And so what I want to talk about today is this, is that I think God's word has something to say to those of us who's felt, who felt that way when we look in the mirror before. But what I'm not going to talk about is, hey, how do we cause change in our life? Because as we step into a new year, here's what statistics tell us, that 60% of us will make a resolution. And a resolution is saying, I want to change something about me. But change is hard. Only 25% of us will make it 30 days. Only 8% will actually reach the goal that we set because change is hard. But I want to be super clear as we start. If you recognize there's a gap in your life that will sink your boat in 2020, if you don't address it, it would be wise to address that gap. Pastor Craig in his leadership podcast, episode 50, talks about how to start new habits or stop unhealthy habits. If that's where you find yourself, man, that would be a great resource for you. But that's not what we're going to talk about. What we're going to talk about is this. We're going to talk about something that God has been showing me in my own life for the last couple of years that I think could help you as you step into a new year. In doing so, we're going to look in the Bible at two guys. Because these two guys share some similarities, but they also have some key differences in their life. The first is Saul. Saul is the first king of Israel. His story begins in 1 Samuel chapter 9. The second is David, who's the second king of Israel. And what you're going to see is as the stories start, they're so similar, right? They're so similar. There's three truths that are true about both Saul and David as we begin their stories. When we're introduced to Saul, here's what's happening. His family's lost some donkeys. So he's gone out with some other people to look for their lost donkeys. They've not been successful in finding them when Saul has this idea, and his idea is this. There's a prophet of God who lives nearby. His name's Samuel. I'll go to his house and say, Samuel, do you know where our donkeys are? So he shows up to Samuel's house. He knocks on the door and Samuel meets him and says, I have a message from God for you. Here's the message from God in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Samuel, the prophet, says this. It says, then Samuel took the flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be what? He's appointed you to be the ruler of over Israel, his special possession. So Saul shows up looking for lost donkeys, but Samuel says, God wants to give you the keys to the kingdom. Imagine that, looking for lost donkeys, and the prophet of God says, God wants you to be the first king ever over his people in Israel. So that's Saul. David shows up about six chapters later in 1 Samuel. His story starts not with him looking for lost donkeys, but instead he's watching over his family's sheep and goats because he was a shepherd. Samuel, the very same prophet who anointed Saul to be king of Israel, shows up at David's house looking for the second king of Israel because that's where God told him to go. He got there and he met the seven siblings of David who were at home, but each time he said, this is not the one that God's chosen to be the second king. Let's go to the next one. They run out of kids, and he said, do you have anybody left? And they said, well, there's David, the youngest, but he's out watching the sheep and goats. And Samuel says, well, wait, go get him. 
David walks into the house and here's what happens. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18, or rather chapter 16, verse 13, it says, so David stood among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and he anointed David with oil. Does this sound familiar? Like we just read this about Saul. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. You see, in these stories, we're introduced to Saul and David, and three truths begin to stand out about their lives that are true about both of them. Those three truths are this, that they're called to it. Both Samuel and David have a calling on their life. God has a purpose for them, and it's clear because they're anointed with oil, and they're told God wants you to be the king over Israel. They're called to it, but they're also gifted for it. Gifting in the Bible is the means that God gives you to carry out the calling that he's placed on your life. It says in both stories that the Spirit of God came powerfully upon them. God gave them what they needed to be who he called them to be. So they were called to it, they were gifted for it, and others could see it. God could see it. Samuel the prophet could see it. The rest of Israel could see it. We're told that Saul, on his way home, the Spirit of God came powerfully on him. He began to prophesy, and people who passed by him could see the hand of God, the thumbprint of God on his life, and they said, what, is Saul one of the prophets too? They could see God was all over him. We just read where it said that the Spirit of God came powerfully upon David, and everybody there recognized it. In fact, one day, Saul is looking for somebody to help him, and one of his servants says, I know a guy. He said, this guy is a great musician, He's a man of war, he's a leader, he's good looking, and the Spirit of God is all over him. He was talking about David, why? Because others can see when God has gifted somebody. It's easy to see when God's gifted somebody, isn't it? It's easy to see when God has gifted somebody. I remember the first time I had that thought, hey, God's gifted that person. I was in seventh grade, and I was playing middle school football. In middle school football, I played free safety. So I was the last line of defense trying to keep the offense from scoring. And every day in practice, this exact same scenario would take place. Here was the scenario. The quarterback would snap the ball. He'd turn around, hand it off to the running back. The running back's name was LaMarcus. In the seventh grade, LaMarcus was 5'10 and 180 pounds. He would get the ball. He would bust through the defensive line. The linebackers, the biggest, meanest guys on the team would try to tackle him. He would literally throw them to the ground by stiff arming them. He would get into the secondary. It was my turn to try to tackle him. He's 5'10", 180. I'm 4'10", 82 pounds, dripping wet. And so one of two things would happen every single day. If he was feeling kind, he would run around me. If he was feeling mean, he would run flat over me every single day. One day I'm in the locker room and I look over and LaMarcus was putting his shoulder pads on and it becomes clear to me that there's two things that LaMarcus has in life in the seventh grade that I don't have. The first thing is muscles, right? And not just muscles, he has man muscles in the seventh grade, 180 pounds and he's ripped and he's never touched a weight in his life. The second thing that he has that I don't is he has armpit hair. I can only dream about having armpit hair in the seventh grade. So I go home and I'm like, mom, dad, he's huge and he's fast and he's strong and he's got man muscles and he's got armpit hair and I'm supposed to try to tackle him. And they looked at me with all the empathy they could muster and they said, Tim, God has gifted LaMarcus to play football, right? He's given him a gift. And God's given you a gift. It's just not football. 
It is so easy for us to look at somebody else and see what? See the thumbprint of God on their life and to say, man, God has gifted that person. We don't have to look that far. We saw Mother Teresa and we say, what? God has gifted her to serve people. We saw people like Martin Luther King Jr. and said, what? God gave him a gift to motivate and inspire action in people. We look at our pastor, Pastor Craig, and say, what? God has gifted him. It's easy to look at somebody and see that God has gifted them. So why is it so hard for us as followers of Christ to look in the mirror and see that God has gifted us too? Why is it so hard to look in the mirror and see God's thumbprint on our life that he has gifted us just as he's gifted Saul and David in the Old Testament? But instead we look in the mirror and we see what? We see every single gap in our life. And the problem is if we fixate on our gaps, we're gonna fail to see the gift that God has given us. If we fixate on our gaps, we're gonna fail to see the gift that God has given us. Because here's the truth, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the three things that were true about Saul and David are true about you too. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're called to it. God has put a calling on your life. Jesus didn't just save us from our sins. That would have been enough, but Jesus also saved us for a purpose, right? He's given you a purpose to walk this earth. You're called to it. Some of you are going, man, that sounds great, but like I'd settle for a job, not just a calling. I'm not talking about your career. I'm talking about your calling. What purpose has God placed you here for? As followers of Christ, if you've made that decision, we all share some similar callings. One of those callings is to follow Jesus, right? To become more like Jesus. Because at some point you had an encounter with God and Jesus said, get up and follow me. And if you're not a follower of Christ, maybe you're here today to answer that call of Jesus to say, get up and follow me because God created you for a purpose. Not only do we have the calling to follow Jesus, we also have the calling as a follower of Christ to love God and love others. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. We're all called to love God and love others. We're called to make disciples. Therefore, go into all nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. We all share some similar callings, and you as a follower of Christ may even feel a specific calling from God. Maybe you've seen kids in the foster care system, and you say, hey, I don't think that's okay with God, and it's not okay with me. And so you've opened up your home, why? To show them the love of an earthly family, but also the love of a father in heaven who cares for them deeply. Maybe you feel called to step out and to start a business so that your employees know what it's like to work in an affirming, uplifting work environment, and every person who walks through your doors is served just as Christ served you on the cross. Maybe your calling is that you're a stay-at-home parent. And the calling that God has given you is you're gonna raise up kids to be fully devoted followers of Christ. Maybe you're here today and you don't know what that specific calling is and that's okay because here's what I know. When God calls you to something, he's gonna make it clear. Right, when God calls you to something, he's gonna make it clear. But the truth is this, that God's called you to it. But he's not only called you to it, he's gifted you for it. He's given you the means to carry out the calling that he's placed on your life. Romans It says this in chapter 12, verses six through eight. This is the apostle Paul to the church. He says, in his grace, God has given us what? God has given us different gifts. We're not all gifted the same, but we're all gifted. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. 
If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. What the Apostle Paul says is this, if you're a follower of Christ, God has given you a gift, so do it. You got it. I was telling my wife about this message and she said, babe, I love it. But like, what would you say to those of us who don't know what our gifting is? And I started to laugh. I haven't learned a lot in 17 years of marriage, but I have learned if she's not laughing, it's not a joke. (laughs) So I said, like, seriously. And I said, babe, let's start with this. Let's start with all of the people who come to our church. And I started naming names who you met out in our community. And you built a relationship with them, not because you wanted something from them, but just because you cared about them. And along the way, as they're sharing their story, an opportunity opened up and you stepped in that opportunity. You said, hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? And they walked into the church and they sat next to you. And it was there that they met Jesus Christ for the first time. It was there that they got connected to a church home and other followers of Christ so that they could grow in their faith. I said, God's given you the gift of building meaningful relationships in life. And I said, then let's look at the fact that God has given you a gift with details. So if we ever take a vacation, whenever we get in the car, there's like a seven-page single-space vacation guide waiting for me on the console of the car, and it is awesome. Some of you are breaking out in hives when you hear that. You're like, that's not vacation. It's vacation because two things are true when I sit in that car. Every detail's been taken care of, and I can just relax. I said, babe, God has given you the gift of details to make everybody around you better. You're called to it, you're gifted for it, and others can see it. If you don't know what God has gifted you with, here's my encouragement for you. Ask somebody, what a great life group discussion. Hey, what do you see that God has gifted me with? What is it that I do? Or when is it that you see God is working through me? Because God has left his thumbprint on your life. What a great discussion on your car ride home today. Not just with your spouse, but with your kids as well. Here's where I see that God has gifted you. What a great discussion with your friends. Get two or three followers of Christ together. Hey, here's what we're talking about at church. How do you see that God has gifted me? Because you got it. God has given you what you need to carry out the calling that he's placed on your life. But what are you gonna do with that gifting? Because Saul and David did two drastically different things. And because of it, David was mentioned in the New Testament 60 times. And Saul was never mentioned once. What are you going to do with the calling that God has placed on your life? So one of the next times that Saul is mentioned in the Bible, after being anointed to be king over Israel, Samuel has gathered the whole nation. So all of Israel gathered together to publicly select who's going to be king. But here's the deal. Two people already know who's going to be selected, Samuel and Saul. He's already been anointed by Samuel to be king over Israel. They know what's going to happen. So they pick the tribe that the king's going to come from. Whose tribe do they pick? Saul's tribe. They pick the clan, it's Saul's clan. They pick the family, it's Saul's family. They pick the individual, and here's what happened. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had what? He had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. So Saul is selected. He knew he was called. He was gifted for it. Others could see it. Saul is selected to be king. And where is he? He's literally hiding among the baggage. 
The luggage that the people brought to gather together, they can't find him. The guy who's described as being head and shoulders taller than anybody else in Israel is hiding behind the baggage. Like it's almost humorous, this big, huge guy who's called, who's gifted, everybody could see it, is asking the question, God, I don't think I have what it takes. Like it's almost humorous, except for we do the same thing. Like we're called to it, we're gifted for it, others can see it, and yet we still find ourselves hiding behind the baggage, the baggage of our past. God, 2019 didn't go so well. I don't know that I wanna step out in faith in 2020. God, that last marriage didn't work out so awesome. I don't know that I wanna follow where you're calling me this year. We hide in the baggage of our past. We hide in the baggage of our insecurity. Well, God, I, I don't know enough about the Bible. Like if I knew more, if I'd been a follower of Christ longer, then maybe I could do what you've called me to do. We hide in the baggage of security. Well, God, what if I step out and I fail? What does that say about me and what does that say about you? Maybe it's not security. Maybe it's the one I see the most often as a pastor. Maybe you're hiding in the baggage of busyness. God, I know you've delivered me from addiction and you've called me to help other people with their addiction, but like work is super busy. I know you, you've called me to help students on Wednesday nights at Switch because that's when you changed my life, but like my kids' sports, God, like they're really busy right now. Or maybe for you, the baggage that you're hiding behind is comparison. Well, if I was more like him or more like her, then maybe I could be who you've called me to be. But here's the problem. If we're buried in our baggage, right? If we're buried in our baggage, we can't go where God wants to take us in 2020, Right? If we won't leave our baggage behind, we won't be who God has called us to be in 2020. And I know it because I almost missed it. Years ago, I was wrestling with this in my own life of God, who have you called me to be as a follower of Christ? How have you gifted me? And I began to sense that God was calling me to be a pastor, but there was this problem. And the problem was I didn't have what it took. I began to compare myself to the people who were pastors and I would look and I'd say, well, God, that pastor over there, like you've gifted him so that when he walks into a room, like he just takes control of the room and everybody instantly looks at him. But like, I'm just happy to slide in on the back wall and just observe. God, I don't have what it takes. Or look at this person over here. God, you've gifted that person so that when they speak, it's just like these spiritual flowing words just come out of their mouth. But when I speak, I say all the wrong things. Like, God, I don't have what it takes. But fortunately for me, others could see it. I'll never forget a conversation I had with my wife. We've been married six months. I was wrestling with this and we were McAllister's sitting at a table for two with our sweet tea. And I looked across the table and I said for the first time what I'd been struggling with for a long time. I said, babe, I feel like God's called me to be a pastor, but I was an accountant. And she said something that shocked me to the core. She looked at me in the eye and she said, I know, and I've known for a long time. And I said, if you've known for a long time, why didn't you tell me? And she said, because you're a man and you wouldn't listen. <laughs> Here's the good news is that because you're called to it, you're gifted for it, others can see it. So if you're struggling with the baggage in the, your life, the best thing that you can do is surround yourself with other people who speak truth into your life and say, you know what? God didn't call you to live among the baggage. He called you to step out because there's a different way. And David responded differently than Saul. You see, the next time that David is mentioned in scripture, after being anointed to be the king of Israel, he was showing up to the battle lines to deliver some dinner to his brothers. 
It's while he was there that he saw the Philistine army challenging the people of Israel. His people he was called to save from the hand of the Philistines that were standing across the battle lines. He saw the champion Goliath challenge his people. He saw nobody respond. And here's what David, the little shepherd boy, did in response. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this Philistine anyways that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? You see, when Saul was called to it, gifted for it, everybody else could see it. He hid in the baggage saying, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes. But David stepped up for battle, right? David stepped up for battle, not saying, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes, but saying, God, take what I have. Because here's the deal. When we say, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes, we're basing the outcome upon our ability, God, I don't feel like I have what it takes, but when we say, God, take what I have, we know what? We know that if we're a follower of Christ, the war's already been won. Jesus Christ won the war on the cross. The war's been won. I can't promise you how the battle in your life's gonna go this year. But the good news of Jesus Christ is whether you win the battle that you're in or whether you lose the battle that you're in, is that Jesus Christ has already won the war for you. You see, David understood this truth that being gifted, and make no mistake about it, if you're a follower of Christ, you are gifted, you got it. Being gifted means that you have something to give. Being gifted means that you have something to give. And I wanna be really transparent today. There's some days I wake up in the baggage. God, I don't feel like I have what it takes to be the husband that you've called me to be. I don't feel like I have what it takes to be the father that I know you want me to be. I don't feel like I have what it takes to be the pastor you've called me to be. But the outcome's not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon the one who's with me. And the Spirit of God came powerfully upon David, and the Spirit of God, if you're a follower of Christ, has come powerfully upon you as well, and he's gifted you for what he's called you to. But here is my fear in this message. Right, is that you would come to church, you would get on church online, you would get onto YouTube, you would watch this message and you would say, awesome, more to do. I already want to lose seven pounds this year. I want to be more successful at work. I want to spend more time at home. I want to be at every one of my kids' sporting events. I want to be the friend that I'm supposed to be to others. Now I got to figure out what my calling is and find out what my gifting is. Awesome, something else to do. And here's the problem with that, it's exhausting. But the good news of Jesus Christ wasn't brought to you to add something else onto your life. The good news of Christ should bring freedom to our life. When you understand that you're gifted by God for a purpose, it brings freedom to your life. Here's the freedom that it brings to your life. It brings the freedom from comparison. The freedom from comparison, I don't have to be him or her. It brings the freedom to celebrate other people's gifts. Man, that is awesome that God has gifted them for it. And it gives you the freedom to concentrate on what God has called you to. God hasn't made us awesome at everything, but he has made you gifted in some things. So like every single one of us has opened up those Christmas presents and had that feeling of, I wish I got something different in the box. And every single one of us has looked in the mirror and said, I wish there was something different inside of me. I remember one year, I was nine years old, 
I got a Christmas present like that. It was a ColecoVision, which I actually brought a photo of a ColecoVision because I knew no one would remember what a ColecoVision was. It came out in 1982. I was not nine years old in 1982 because the ColecoVision that I got was pre-owned, which is a really nice way of saying somebody had it before I had it. But when I was nine years old, you didn't want a ColecoVision. What you wanted was a Nintendo arcade system with Zelda and Duck Hunt and Technoball, glory be to God, who is in heaven. That's what my friends were getting. I didn't get that. I got a used ColecoVision. You would be tempted to think about my used ColecoVision and say this, that's not the most spectacular Christmas present you probably ever received, and you'd be right. But don't you dare tell me it wasn't significant. Two days before, on December 23rd, me and my mom and my brother were at home when I heard my brother's voice from the back of the house and he said, Mom, the house is on fire. And I came around the corner and the house was on fire. We ran out of the house taking only what we were wearing. I had on a t-shirt, sweatpants, and white athletic socks. We stood in the snow on our driveway and watched our house burn to the ground. And as a nine-year-old, all I could think about were the Christmas presents that had already been picked out, wrapped, and put under the tree that I'd already shaken to know which ones to be excited about, and they were gone. So 36 hours later, I woke up with a little bit less anticipation than a nine-year-old should on Christmas morning. I'll never forget, as I walked down the stairs of the house that we were staying at, there's an image that's just burned in my mind. Because as I came downstairs, somebody had set up a Christmas tree. And under that tree were 63 presents. There was no Amazon one-day delivery when I was nine. How did we ever survive? There was no store that people could go to. These were presents that people had taken out from underneath their tree, taken the name tag off, put our name tag on, and given them to us. One of those presents was a ColecoVision. I knew the family who gave us this ColecoVision. They were in our church. And even at nine years old, I knew this. They didn't have a lot. It would have been real tempting if you were that family to look around and say, what? I don't have what it takes. But instead, they looked at their TV and saw their ColecoVision, which they still use. They unplugged it, put it in a box, wrapped it up, put it a bow on it, and said, take what we have. Here's what I know, is that sometimes I feel like a ColecoVision. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I go, well, I'm not as spectacular, God, as what you did with that person or with that person. But don't you dare confuse spectacular with significant because God has given you a significant gift to carry out the purpose that he's called on your life. And in 2020, here's what I know is that God will take that significant gift. And if you're willing to say being gifted means I have something to give. So God, take what I have. He will take your significant gift and write a spectacular story. Because being gifted means you have something to give. If you bow your What a great message for all of us as we enter into this time where Pastor Jeff is going to be with us next week and start to unveil the vision that God's given him for North Avenue that we are all gifted, we're all in this together, and God has placed each and every one of us here at North Avenue to carry out the purpose that he's designed for our life. Over this next week, I'd ask that you start this prayer that we we're challenged with today. Of what, God, what do you have for me? What is my purpose? And pray 
that this vision that Pastor Jeff is going to present over the next couple weeks, that you'll find your way, because each one of us needs to find our way in the vision that God has placed for North, North Avenue and each of us individually. Let us pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this message of significance that each of us have. Lord, you created us for a purpose, and I believe you put us here at North Avenue for a purpose. And this connection needs to be made in our lives so we can serve you in the way that we were created to do. Lord, I ask that as we go through this week, we take time to spend alone with you and let you move within us and guide us in our steps individually and as a church as we go through this exciting time of discovery if we haven't been there and time of confirmation for those that have felt your calling in our individual lives. Lord, I ask that you be with us today, this day of Sabbath, this day of rest, to rest in you, to think of you, to let us be in your presence today. Lord, lead somebody to us this week that we can show your love and your kindness to. Bring us back next Sunday, excited to hear your unveiling for this church and how we each will fit into this. We love you, Lord. We ask that you just be with us as we go home, be with us as we travel this week. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.